Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast for Black Women Connects Vancouver. Girl, you know it. So I'm the founder of Black Women Connects Vancouver, which started in 2017. And Black Women Connects Vancouver is a collective of women who come to inspire, empower, and leverage our strengths and embrace our diverse experiences. It is a community where we can build meaningful relationships and celebrate the beauty of our Black womanhood. I hope that you enjoy it. everyone welcome back to the podcast girl you know it uh, my name is Balasan and I'm L. and today we are joined by a special guest who will ask to introduce themselves in a moment um, but today we're going to be talking about fatherhood which is really really exciting I know I have a lot of like deep-seated questions that I might ask Bernard, um, but also, you know, getting to know what um, a male's perspective around fatherhood is. So Bernard, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming. And can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Right. Yeah. My name is uh, Bernard Mukwavi. Um, my wife is Anne. Uh, she works as a nurse. I work as a district minister for the uh, Baptist uh, uh, General Conference in BC. So I oversee uh, churches in our region, working together with pastors. I also serve as uh, the academic dean at uh, Art Seminaries on Trinity campus. And um, I have three daughters. Um, Natasha is the second. Uh, we have the first, uh, Mwaka, and then our last is uh, Njava. And uh, I was, I'm also a grandfather, so I have uh, uh, two grandchildren. But growing up, I had uh, planned that other than having our biological children, I was going to adopt children. So I'm also a father to uh, about 50 children, five zero, that uh, we have. And then uh, I've been a father to other young people in, in Europe, Asia, and in North America. Wow. <laughs> wow, Bernard. I am absolutely floored. That is magnificent. That is absolutely magnificent. Wow. Woo. Okay, uh, so the first question, uh, especially now, because I know that you are such a uh, or have such a, a big capacity to be like a father to a lot of different people. What do you think of the term fatherhood? Uh, fatherhood is the state of being uh, a father. It's a it's that state of being a father. And uh, so when you when you think about fatherhood, you are not just talking about fathering a child you're talking about the the active process and state of actually actively involved uh in your children's lives or your child's life so that's the state of fatherhood uh, that i'll talk about and uh, that's what many people do not understand you can uh, you can father a child but that does not mean you're going to have that fatherhood that you're going to be that father yeah, wow, that's such a great um, definition. I think that's 
a piece definitely that people don't fully understand. And I think it's because they don't have the conversations as much. I think with motherhood, it's this, this innate um, state of being. You have a mother, you have a child and you're automatically connected to this child, quote unquote. Um, but as we know, that doesn't necessarily happen. And so I think fatherhood is another um, state of being that we really need to be um, dissecting, divulging, having more conversations around to set up our men to be good, active participants in fatherhood. Um, and I know that with social media now, um, more and more men are uh, highlighting the, the highs and the lows in, in fatherhood. Um, there's a great uh, Instagram account uh, who does welcome black to fatherhood. And it's so funny because it shows like all the fails and all the joys of fatherhood, but it's like, it's nice to get that insight. So thank you so much for that, that, um, that definition. And I would even go so much further. It's like, the activeness and also like um, sustained um, sustained effort, even when it's hard. And I think that's another thing that some some men are not prepared for. Yes, that that's that's very true. Uh, you know, to be to be a father, there's a mental preparation that needs to happen. In your mind, you have to actually choose to be a father, if you like. Uh, so uh, for a mother, it's very easy in that, you know, there's a pregnancy that takes place and there's the nine months period where there's the bonding that is taking place between the mother and the child. And in, in, in this time, uh, if, if there's not even a marriage or in some cases there's disconnect, uh, the man is not very connected to that child. So if they are mentally not connected and they're also not physically connected, it becomes very, very difficult for a child, for a mother. Then they give it, they give birth after about nine months, you know, on, on average. So there is that bonding that has taken place during that time, and and then the first years of the child, the mother spends with with that uh, that child. So there is that bonding that takes place. So when you have an absentee father, it would be very difficult for them to really be actively involved as as fathers in this sense. Um, I really like that. And I wonder even, you know, if there's an additional layer where maybe sometimes, you know, fathers are both maybe kind of mentally there and physically there, but they're not emotionally present for their children. Can you speak to that aspect? I don't, I mean, I, I would assume that to be fathering or, or at least be in the fatherhood practice for so many different people that you're also having to notice that you're emotionally present for each of those individuals as well and for their well-being, right? And invested in that is my assumption. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, fatherhood is very complex. Uh, so it's good that you identify uh, being physically present, emotionally present, and mentally present. So, so fatherhood is not as simple as we might make it to be. Uh, um, yeah, so uh, fathers are also made in the process. So you don't like automatically become a father. There's a, there's a mentoring process that needs to take place. So a number of uh, fathers uh, have difficulties because they themselves do not know what it means to be a father because they were not really properly fathered. And, and so they are having to learn along the way. And then there's a lot of pressure that comes. There's a pressure to provide 
there's a there's a pressure to be a man to be strong so there's a lot of pressure so uh, sometimes the father then thinks that their their responsibility is simply to provide uh, financial resources for the children send them to school give them food uh, uh, put a roof over their head so they you know in their mind they feel well i'm doing the best that i that I can. So, and then being emotionally present might be uh, absent because maybe they didn't even know how to express their emotions growing up. Uh, so then, and then they get misunderstood in the process of uh, fathering. Yeah, so they're, they're emotionally absent because they don't know how to be present emotionally, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your relationship with your dad and what are some of the things you found that uh, you decided to bring in into raising us as children or things that you were like, oh, maybe this is something um, I don't want to do. Or, yeah, was there anything that you that brought you to that place? Like, this is something I admired. Well, my, my, I was born when my father was really uh, a retired man, if you like, I'm, I'm more like at the bottom, we were 14 of us, and uh, uh, he, he had personal connection with all the 14 children, so every one of the 14 children felt special, and so, you know, especially the girls, they thought they were like, you know, dad's favorite, so uh, so he was very, very close uh, to them. And he visited every one of them when they were independently living on their own. So he spent time with, with each one of us. So that's one thing that I admired from my father was uh, to take time to spend, to spend it with all his children individually, not just collectively. And uh, so to, to spend time with 14 children really takes a lot. Sometimes it would take two months just going around and just, you know, visiting them. And uh, even when I was younger, he would take me uh, on his walks. So he liked to walk. So I would go walking and uh, we'd just be talking. So there was a balance of relationship. He treated me as a son. And yet also sometimes I felt like it was because he was much older than me it was almost like being with my grandfather but other times it was like being with my friend when we would joke about some things uh, but he himself was not very emotionally uh, expressive in terms of uh, maybe giving a hug or saying i love you uh, but we were able to know that we we were loved um, he lost his, his mom when he was six years old, and he grew up with a stepmother that really uh, mistreated him a lot. So, you know, he, he kind of learned to survive. His own father never protected him from the mistreatment. And, uh, but I think one of his uh, siblings, half uh, brothers used to be uh, protective of, of him. And so when he, decided to have his own children. He wanted to be a different you know, father, to be there for them. And I picked that from him. Another thing that I picked from him was a sense of unity. Uh, he united us because it's very easy when you have children to be, you know, that they'll be fighting amongst themselves. Uh, so he, he had this sense of bringing us together as one family and, you know, 
uh, up to now, we are very united. We know how to deal with our own issues. Uh, we know how to talk with each other respectfully. Uh, so I picked that from him. And, and then he was a hard worker. So he worked to provide for all our needs. And another thing was that he wanted us to have an education. And so he gave us this education that uh, uh, you know, we have all received. And another thing he did was that he really wanted us to excel in life. And I say that because he wanted his children always to rise in every career occupation where they were. So we were pushed that way to, the, to that an extent that as kids, when, when we would be involved in a fight, he wanted you to win the fight. You don't come back crying. You gotta go back and win the fight. So, so you, that's how we, I was raised. And you know, so those are things that I picked up. And probably in raising my own daughters, I probably pushed them that way in that sense. So. I will agree. I mean, especially Jabu and I, when we were teenagers, our younger we would always fight and the dad's always like you only have each other you have to work it out like apologize like every time so yeah yeah I definitely had some of that too my mom would not let us go to bed angry and even if like we would stretch it for like days my mom would just every day be honest every day it was absolutely that was worse than the actual being angry at each other and fighting it's just like ah fine okay just stop nagging me please (laughs) um so I know you know sounds like you had a very amazing dad uh, for what he did and, 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 and the values and the principles that he instilled in you. Do you believe that there is such a thing as a good dad? Or do you just think that um, people are just the best dads that they can be? Oh, well, growing up as a father, because you really grow up as a father as well, you, you don't really become a perfect dad. You don't become a good dad. It's something that you, you are always working at, uh, and, and your children are at different levels and you relate to them differently as, as they grow up. So to be a good dad, I don't know, is a relative term uh, because I don't know if you can really find a good dad uh, in terms of a person coming and saying, I'm a good dad. I think it's other people that will, will probably recognize some things that they can learn from you as a dad. Uh, so growing up for me in my fatherhood, I, I realized my own uh, inadequacy. And so I had to depend on what I would call on, you know, higher power, if you like. And as a, as a Christian, as a believer uh, in God, I, I prayed for God to help me to raise uh, the children that, that he had given my wife and I because I, I knew that I would probably mess it up. So I needed help. And, and that's why some of the, the names that we gave to our children actually are reflective of my own state of being. So when I named Nataija Nataija and Java Java, it was reflective of what I was looking for help. So Nataija was named Nataija as a way of being grateful to God. It means I am grateful. So I was grateful to God for giving uh, me at that time, there were now two daughters. And so that that was that. And then when Java was born, I called her Java 
have uh, the full name is God help me. May you help me. So the full name, the understanding was that God helped me to be a father to raise these girls because I don't know what I'm going to do. So then, so I didn't start up saying I'm going to be a good dad. I, I started up saying help me every day. So every day I actually needed help. And, it's, and then I, I had a book that I would read on how to be a father, or what to do when a child is sick. And uh, because of living in a complex uh, environment, my father was not always there. He lived somewhere else. And then we're living in uh, uh, post-colonial Africa uh, with colonialism that had destabilized our system of uh, bringing up children. So some of the cultural values that have been affected by Westernism uh, that had come within Western, within African society. So it, it was very difficult to know what to keep and what to throw away, you know, in, in the African um, uh, culture. So that was that complexity that surrounded it. So in this case, I wanted to, um, to do the best that I could. And I knew I had to seek for help. Yeah, so there's a, there's a thing as, somebody who realizes the inadequacy and they need to depend on, on somebody greater, they need to learn from other people who are doing a good job that you, you can look at. So that's how uh, I looked at it. Uh, so when I find some, some fathers who might be failing in being a father, I realized I couldn't judge them that much because you know, maybe they didn't know better. And, and uh, so we need, we need to always uh, have room to grow because we don't know the shoes that somebody's in until we understand where they're coming from. Wow, yeah, I think that, thank you. That I like the growing up in fatherhood. That's something I haven't heard. It's like, really like shifted the way I look at like parenthood or anything like we always have to be humble and and where we're we are and where we're going and I think that the minute that we say we've learned everything that's a dangerous place to be so always being able to be open to learn um to be corrected in like a loving way and a compassionate way and I think um for men it's hard because they've been socialized to not emotionally feel like the full spectrum of emotion. And so um, being corrected sometimes feels like a little bit of like a low blow, but it's like, no, it's like in a loving way. So I think that, that there's that humility. Um, yeah, I, I have a question for you. Um, so I am completely estranged from my father. I grew up with um, three sisters and um, I was essentially raised, my father was physically present, but not emotionally or um, mentally present. So um, I, I guess my question to you is like, how did you continue to nurture those relationships um, with uh, Natalia and like your daughters like throughout adulthood? Um, just because I know that a lot of people just don't have that relationship with their fathers and like maybe, you know, in thinking about partnering up and having their own kids, they want to know um, how to best uh, support their own partner and like continuing their relationship with their like children as they grow up. So like the sustaining of their relationship, how did you continue to do that with your daughters? Yeah, well, as I said, you grow into fatherhood in the sense that when your children, when, when, when you have a baby, 
you have a different relationship with the baby and when they become toddlers. So at every stage of their life, in their lives, you are, you are playing with them differently, communicating differently, going places differently. And uh, the mistake that fathers would make is probably begin to pull away at some stage thinking, okay, now the child is, you know, is independent, they can live on their own. Or they probably said the child is too young, I'm gonna come in later. Uh, you know, maybe when they're about 15, then I'll be, I'll be there. And then they miss that all part. So it's really misjudgment, knowing when you are needed. You are needed all the time, but you are needed differently. Uh, so the way you relate to a five-year-old is different from the way you're gonna relate to a 15-year-old or a 20-year-old. And uh, uh, also the way you will relate to your children when they are adults. So now, you, you know, you find out that uh, uh, the relationship begins to shift. Sometimes your children begin to give you advice and then you are able to listen. So there's a balance there where they, they, they give you advice and then you swallow the pride and take the, the, the advice that they give you. They probably wanna give you advice on how to handle money or how to handle your health, or maybe you need to sell a house and live in a smaller place and what car you drive. Maybe they give you advice on what clothes you wear. And uh, so sometimes, uh, it, it, you know, the, my daughters will say, we want you to stop wearing those Hawaiian shirts. And I love my Hawaiian shirts. So then I had to put them away. Or they say, we don't like this car you bought, Go, you know, so things like that would happen. So there's a relationship that you have. So at every stage, so you, you, you kind of have to learn uh, uh, how to interact uh, as, as, you know, a father, a child type of thing. So you never really graduate as a father until you die. Uh, so you, you know, you will be needed uh, even when, when your children are old. Now, when you are estranged, um, what I would like to say is that as, as an adult, you, you would have a role to play in, in uh, repairing the relationship. So it cannot just be your father who has to repair this relationship. So it's, it's both ways. So what I've discovered is that uh, forgiveness becomes very important. And forgiveness is not uh, a denying that something wrong had taken place. It's actually knowing that it did actually take place. And then you make a choice to say for the, for the good of our relationship, I'm going to take a step uh, uh, to do something about this. So, so you realize that, that you, you, you have to, uh, to think about what would be best, uh, what do you need to give up as a daughter or as a son in this way so that you may gain your father back. And uh, out of the pride that your father might have, he may not take some steps. So it has to begin somewhere and it's, it's uh, for the good of uh, both of you and even future grandchildren that come because they wanna have a, a relationship with their grandfather and you want to build that. Um, yeah, so that's the first step that we take. Every one of us will make mistakes. Children make mistakes, parents make mistakes and parents have to own uh, their mistakes and apologize. Uh, and, but not everybody might do that, but there's nothing wrong for it to come from one, uh, one side. You have to begin with the fact, and the fact would be 
Dad, I really appreciate you. Thank you for everything that you have done for me and in my life. I really do have a concern uh, that, you know, I, I don't want to lose you and I don't want to keep having you at a distance. I want us to work through things. So it is okay to have that conversation and uh, take it in the right direction. So what happens when people, because I know some friends or I know people that have done that and they've reached out to that person or parent that has been estranged and then that parent doesn't reciprocate or they don't take ownership of the fault that happened or the fact that they did leave. Um, oh, how, how do you handle that? Because I know that if you take that first step to reach and someone says, oh, they'll either they pretend that they will show up and they don't and then a continual disappointment or they just don't own up to it. How do you even repair something like that if someone doesn't even want to take ownership? Because at what point does it become healthy to even have them around? Well, if, if the relationship is not healthy, then, you know, if it's destructive to either yourself or, or your family, and, and it is true that you have taken steps, there's, it's okay to still, you know, build your own family where you are and uh, hoping for the best uh, of, of the, the father. If, you know, because you cannot change a human being. You cannot really change a human being. Uh, no one can do that, regardless of what you do to teach them, or you can beat them up, whatever you want to do. You're not going to change what's inside. Uh, the heart of man or human being is desperately wicked. No one can really understand what goes in there, and we, we may not know everything. So we do the best we can, and when when it's a toxic situation, and we really must make sure it is a toxic situation and not just, you know, kind of uh, come to conclusions without hearing the facts uh, in a case. So you have to, to be sincere on, on your part to make sure that, you know, really you're not doing this to control the other person. Another thing that, uh, that has contributed to bad relationships in families is, is because of what has happened in, in societies, uh, you know, because of external influences that come and disrupt uh, kind of a culture. Uh, so that really um, does affect the relationships. I work with uh, um, a number of people and I told you that I'm a father to some people who are not my biological children and some of them are within that estranged relationship. So they have come to me, uh, Natasha, you might have met some of them, maybe you didn't know why they would have come. So my, they, my, they come and they pour their, you know, their hearts and cry because of what uh, they're having with their parents. And the only thing we can do is listen and give them the same advice to not let anything bad come from them in terms of actions or what they say about their parents. If you can't change them, you can move on, but be respectful in a way. That's fair. That's fair. I think that, um, you know, there's also attempts that are made time and time again. And, and I, I, I love the idea of there being a time to just stop and sever their relationship if there's no reciprocity, um, especially, you know, given the fact that sometimes it's taken a very long time for the both of you to even come to that conclusion. Um, so I really like that. And I, 
I think, I don't know, but a part of me feels like for folks who want to be mothers, there are resources and groups and, you know, places to go where you can learn and harness these skills. You know, even the societal pressures around, you know, motherhood are very much like nurturing. They almost stick true to really what it feels like to be a mother, at least as I've heard from people talking about it. But as you're saying, the fatherhood thing, it's a lot more of a decision because you're even physically um, uh, uh, distanced from the child and then even that process of childbirth as well. Um, what are some things that as a society we can do to help men or people who want to be in fatherhood get there and actually be able to harness those skills in a, like a practical sense? Uh, as I reflected on this, I, I think that is education. Um, Many societies like governments throw money at, at problems. They say, okay, there's this problem, let's put this fund, we are putting in place this money. And that doesn't really help. I, I see a number of families have been destroyed. Um, what, what, has, what has happened is a disruption of the, the social fabric, the way it's supposed to be. Um, as we've been industrialized and now we are being digitized and there are many things that are happening that are disrupting the social fabric. Uh, and, and also there's this desire to accumulate wealth and do a lot of things. And in the process, many people are being hurt. Uh, people, you know, people are having children everywhere uh, without being responsible. So when I, when I talk about the, the physical absence of a father, uh, it's because the fathers are not taught uh, on to be actually present during the nine months that the spouse or partner will be pregnant. So the father doesn't necessarily need to be absent during the nine months. Uh, when my wife was expecting, I was present during the nine months. So during the nine months, I talked to my children while they were in the mother's womb. So, so I was actually present every day, uh, listened to them and uh, talked to them, even tried to touch them, even though Natasha used to kick me from the mother's womb sometimes. So, so, so we should, we'll do that. So, so I had those experiences knowing and knowing, knowing those. So I was close to them in that way. Uh, now, how did I learn that? I learned that, you know, uh, through, through reading and attending seminars, because my father never taught me that he did that. So I couldn't pick it up from him. So therefore I, read, I, I had to read, to read a book. And then there were seminars that I would go to workshops that they would, they would teach uh, us you know, do, during my time. Uh, so there's the teaching that needs to happen and also uh, teaching that needs to happen on how to interact with your children when, you know, when they're born and at toddlers and at different levels. I also attended a conference where they were teaching us on how to interact with your daughters as a man because so I had to learn how do you do that how do you so there I was bringing up three girls how do you really uh, uh, bring them up with the boys we could be wrestling fighting at you know even when when they are 18 so now what do you do when your daughters are of you know of a particular age and um, 
um, we were being taught on how to complement them, how to encourage them to achieve in life. So these things are learned, if you know what I mean. So that's what we're missing in society right now. We are not having uh, men being taught to be husbands, first of all, and to be fathers. So this is lucky. And, and but we need to organize uh, uh, such workshops and mentoring. Are you gonna start? <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, I do, I do, I do, with my type of work that I do, I do facilitate this uh, other men are actually doing that. So we, we do have groups of men that meet for breakfast or meet for coffee. And uh, another thing is uh, uh, they say, uh, more is caught than is taught. Uh, so you catch it by hanging out with other guys. And, you know, it might be on the golf course, so it might be somewhere where you are. And then, you know, you just watch and see what they do. Uh, when I was in college, um, I, I watched the president of our school interact with his children. And so I caught something. So I thought, I thought, okay, when I have my own children, that's how I'm going to interact with them. Like every evening before they went to bed, they, they had a family time. And I love that. So I picked that from, from him along the way. So again, you don't think that you, you know everything and you shouldn't think that you know everything. Every one of us is always learning. I am even now learning on how to be a father to a daughter who is married and children. How do you do that? Because, you know, how do you do that without uh, uh, getting into their space and yet still be available? So you are always learning. I didn't know that before. That's awesome. Um, I think you touched on something really important and that's having good male friends who are also fathers and really supporting each other through that. Um, I think that a lot of times mothers have the opportunity to like, you know, mother groups and like those like friendships and you catch a lot of stuff, but like not the same thing happens for fathers and some fathers, they've never been around a baby and their friends don't have babies. So they don't get to catch those little good uh, nuggets or tips. So I think really encouraging good male friendships with other fathers is another thing that we can practically do to help support um, men who are looking to transition into fatherhood. Um, yeah, definitely. I love that, like catching little pieces. Um, I have I have a question. Um, I, this is my like, my little. what is your favorite memory of Natasia growing up? <laughs> I, don't, I just wanna know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can point to, to one and uh, I, uh, yeah, um, she, she, was, she was very determined. I think what stands out, the memory is a statement she made one time when we were flying from, we were flying from Zambia to London Heathrow, I think we arrived in London Heathrow. She was only maybe about four years old, maybe 
either three or four, maybe four, I can't remember. So we were there and uh, so we had come from Africa and it was cold and as, as our siblings were complaining that it was cold and they said, well, you guys, you wanted to come to London. So, so in, in other words, uh, this is what you wanted, in, you know, stop complaining. So then I turned around and they, she was so young and I didn't even know that she had this was computed within a mind that we are moving from a, a hot place to a cold place. And so, so the memory that comes up when I look at the pictures. So, so you know, so she, she doesn't like to complain now a lot. So she, you know, you gotta suck it up and do what you're supposed to do, I guess. That is very much Natasha. The moment you said that, I was like, I see her in all of our team meetings saying that. I see her in all of our hangouts saying that. I see her just in life, just saying that. Waking up in the morning and being like, you chose to wake up today, okay? This is what you get. <laughs> That's just her through and through. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to hold that for the rest of my life. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bernard, for having, uh, well, for coming on the podcast. It was really wonderful and our pleasure to have you. Um, do you want to leave maybe the folks who are watching today with one piece of advice, whether it would be, you know, the women that are watching, the men that are watching, other people that are watching as well? Uh, what is one thing that you'd like to send them off with? I think uh, I would like to say that we have a responsibility as individuals and also as families uh, within our society and to be, to as, aspire to be good parents and good children, also to aspire to be a good uh, spouse. Um, I would like to say that, you know, there's certain relationships that are toxic out there that actually everyone can get involved in, including the fathers. Uh, they can get involved in, in friendships with other guys that, that are toxic in, in terms of teaching wrong things to them because they, these guys that they may be hanging out with may, may not know better or they may actually be saying things that are harmful. And then you pick up and that's how you begin to treat your children or your wife. So it's very good to be discerning at the same time, also as, as, as children, it's good to be discerning because some people might come from backgrounds that are very toxic and broken. And then you, you think that that's how every family is supposed to be because I have, I've come across some children that come from very good families and they kind of uh, regret that their families were good. They wish they could have been like, because these ones seem to be like, oh man, this is so exciting. You went through this and you did that. I couldn't even, I couldn't even answer my father back. You were fighting with your dad and they kind of begin to desire such experiences. So we need to, to look at uh, uh, life and know what is good and uh, what is not good in relationships. And in the world where we live now, people go to the media, so they watch movies, they watch something in the movies, they think that's how a perfect marriage, fatherhood or relationship is supposed to be. And we don't know that these people are actually just acting they're acting and that's why you see a lot of marriages uh, breaking up and all that because that is all uh, based on a lie so for me my advice is that be grounded 
you have to be grounded in something. And in my case, what grounds me is my faith. And I know there are some people within the Christian faith that have also messed up their lives and their families. But your life shouldn't be patterned after other people. It has, you have to really have a connection. Uh, your spirituality that grounds you as an individual and that causes you to make a difference in the world around you. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Bernard, for that little, <clears throat> well, that uh, wholesome nugget um, of wisdom. And it was so lovely to see you folks. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Hi. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. That was lovely. First of all, Natasia, your dad is awesome. He's so cute. He's just, he's so proper. He's definitely African dad. So proper. I even like the way he says your name, Natasia, because now I can actually pronounce your name. All the time, I'm like, Natasia, Natasia. Uh -uh. I know. I don't say it right myself. I was like, I wish I had the, like that accent because I was like, there's a way you say my name that just sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So what were your takeaways? Oh, there are so many takeaways. I, again, really appreciate the growing up in fatherhood. I like that, like completely shifted my mindset because that can be applied to like growing up in motherhood and like really recognizing that it's an evolving iterative process. And also it's based on a relationship with a person who's there, like has an agency, they're their own entity, right? So it's not like an inanimate an object. You have to like really renegotiate. That's the word coming up again, negotiate. You have to negotiate these relationships as you move um, along them, um, especially as time goes. And there's that history, there's that shared bond of like, yes, you're my parent and like, I have to respect you, but I'm also growing into my own person. So like, how do we renegotiate our relationship? And I really appreciate him um, being open and being like, it's not going to be the same. So I have to also adapt. But woof, just that. Wow. There's so many, but that was it. That was it for me. Yeah. And I think when you said that, it like actually clicked with me. I was like, this is true. Like even because we all have different personalities in our family, especially my sisters and I, but we're similar too. But I can definitely see how he treated us differently and not in a bad way, but adapted to our personalities. And it wasn't just that like, we're all going to be treated the same and like each punishment is the same because we all react differently. And so yeah, that's something too that I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. But I, I agree. I think him also transitioning into being like a grandfather and then watching his kids get married and stuff. I, I see him also learning to be like, okay, how does this work? And like being a grandparent, I feel like, changed his whole life like I don't feel like there's like if there was like awards or anything he could like go get medals for he would be trying to get that like they love being grandparents and it's actually so cute to see their relationship especially with my niece um they're they're extremely close and so it's kind of cool to see like that transition of like us but then also like with my niece and how close they are Hmm. I love that. Um, I know my parents will be out here if they ever watch this. They'll be like, you see, it's our lifeline. Give us grandchildren. Right. Um, like motherhood episode. <laughs> yeah, watch the motherhood episode. Also, do what Natasha's dad's doing or Natasha's dad is doing. Go and give it to a lot of other people. There's heaps of folks out there who'll be looking for you to be stepping into that presence. That for me is the part that really stood out for me and the complexity that he was also mentioning about. You know, when you're a father, you have to be making a commitment, it's a decision 
to be there because of how removed one is from, you know, the body where this creation is happening as well. And obviously not to say that, you know, there's always that instant connection and stuff like that, because we know that there's also relationships um, that happen. You can watch the motherhood episode, but I really, really love that. And the nuance, because for me very much stood out for me because my dad is physically there and he's kind of maybe mentally there, but he's not really emotionally there. And, you know, the attention that he provides is not the attention that I want, especially as I'm growing. And so that was even a really good piece like you also have to take accountability as a parent to change the way that you are with your children as they grow up as well you can't forever be treating them like they're five years old and you're like you got mcdonald's money yes i've got mcdonald's money okay and i've got the money that took you to that airbnb trip don't blame me don't blame me i love y'all i love you mom i'm just playing but Lucky, I'm not. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It's been another episode of Hey Girl, you know it. Um, I think we need to do like a soundbite or something, but you can find us on Instagram at all streaming. What's that? All streaming sites? Is that what you're going to say? Because you look like you had like a blank. Sorry, I interrupted. I'm trying to remember how it goes in the Instagram. Is it the underscores or dot? A dot. Oh, girl, dot, you do it. Yeah, boom. Like period, girl. Girl, period, I'm period poo. Okay, period power. Um, Thank you very much for tuning in, everyone. And you can listen to us on all streaming services. This is Spotify, Anchor, all of the good ones. And if you can't find us there, send us a DM and we'll try to get ourselves on there to make it as easy for you to enjoy. But subscribe to the YouTube. Don't play with us. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's always amazing to get an opportunity to chat with these lovely ladies. So if you're looking to follow us off of the podcast and you're looking to catch up with some of the content that we have, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube, all at Black Women Connect Vancouver. And we also have a website for you at blackwomenconnectvancouver.com which is where you can sign up for our mailing list and our newsletter so you can keep updated with our growth and all of the other events that we have planned for you. Catch you later. Bye.